Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 verse 27. And we're going to read to verse 36. Luke 6, 27 to 36. And the theme for today's message is how to love Julius Malema and the rest of your enemies. And the reason I chose that theme, I could... I might as well just have said how to love your enemies and I think it's quite easy and it's vague but as soon as you put a name to it of someone you know is a <clears throat> an enemy then you start thinking again someone that really makes you angry then you think what does Jesus mean when he teaches us to love our enemies so let us look at uh, Luke 6 from verse 27 let's first go to the Lord in prayer our Father in heaven, we pray now for an open heart, not an angry heart, the moment we hear a name else, like our blood boils, but an open heart that will hear and be open to what you tell us, Lord, and teach us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I say, you could have replaced Julius Malema's name with any other name that is of someone who's your enemy, but I chose Malema's name because, you know, the things he says, especially uh, with his racism and then very easy twists it and turns it around to call you a racist, but how he hates uh, people of other races, how he <clears throat> is a proponent, pro proponent of land grabbing, how he'll even say that they're going to murder people, uh, murder farmers and so on <clears throat> and it causes it stirs anger in people's hearts now perhaps you hear the name Julius Malema and it doesn't really bother you at all you know, you're not worried about that well the question I have to ask you is who is your enemy who's your enemy is it is it your husband who abuses you is it your wife she she drives you nuts um, she makes you angry. Is it maybe one of your children, a rebellious teenager? Is it your brother? Is it your sister? Is it a family member, family, maybe in-laws, maybe a colleague, that person that just really messes everything up for you and makes life difficult? Or maybe a bully at school? Or maybe just a total stranger who is causing you trouble? Well, Jesus teaches us in these verses to love your enemy. Love your enemies. So how should you love them and why should you love them? Let's read Luke 6 verse 27. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. <clears throat> and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is there to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is there to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. 
But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So, two questions we're going to ask. First question, what does selfless love look like? And that's in verse 27 to 31. And I think many mothers, many mothers are an example of this. They love selflessly. They get up for their kids in the middle of the night. They feed their children. They bath their children. They dress their children. They change the, the baby's nappy in the middle of the night. They read bedtime stories to the kids. They take their kids to school. They cook them meals. They bake cake for the child's birthday. And they do all these things without expecting anything in return. So that's a, that's a selfless love. And that's what Jesus says here. We should love Julius Malema in this way. We should love people, difficult people in this way. You know, sometimes we are difficult too. But we should love our enemies selflessly. And not everyone's going to do this. Only those who, verse 27 says, those who hear. If, if your ears are open to spiritual things, your ears are open, your heart is open to Christ and His Word. Uh, like Luke says in chapter 8, verse 8, Jesus says, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Or chapter 8, verse 10, To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom. So you hear, you understand, Christ has opened your heart, Christ has opened your ears for spiritual truth. In other words, what, what I'm trying to say here is, love, loving your enemies, it's not a mark of unbelievers, it's a mark of believers. It's a mark of the Christian. And it's not about a feeling here. I'm not talking about some, some fuzzy feeling in your heart, just, just something that stops with emotions. Jesus here is speaking, he's referring to an action. He's talking of an action by which you practically do good to your enemies. So don't confuse biblical love with the world's sentimental love. Sentimental love says, oh, <clears throat> you, said, you said that homosexuality is sin. That means you hate homosexuals. That's a sentimental kind of love that they're looking for. No, biblical love says... To use that example, because I love you, because I don't want you to go to hell, therefore I am saying that your lifestyle is sinful and you must repent and you'll be forgiven. Just 1 Corinthians 6 is an example, verse 9 to 11, speaking of different kinds of sins, but also homosexuality, and that's the hot topic of the day. So we don't hate homosexuals because we say your lifestyle is sinful, just like the restaurant doesn't hate you uh, if you're a smoker and they say, smoking not allowed. It's not because they hate you. Now, I'm not saying here that all homosexuals or every unbeliever is your enemy. I'm not saying that. An enemy rather is someone who, who is against you, someone who attacks you, someone who makes life difficult for you, someone who persecutes you, someone who treats you badly. That's an enemy. And in many cases, they, they do this because you're a Christian. So it's specifically, they're attacking Christianity 
in many cases. Verse 22, Blessed are you when people hate you, exclude you, revile you, spurn your name of evil, as evil on account of the Son of Man. And the natural reaction of many people is to fight back. If someone attacks you, you fight back. Jesus says no. Jesus says, love your enemy. Love your enemy. Do good to those who hate you. Verse 27, I say to you here, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Like, like the, the Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 where Jesus speaks of the Samaritan who helped the Jew. A Jew was beaten up by robbers and the good Samaritan helped him. And Samaritans and Jews, they hated each other. They were enemies. But here the Samaritan loves his enemy. Or in Exodus 23 verse 4, um, you see your neighbor's donkey going astray, you should bring it back. Or you see your neighbor... The, the donkey, the burden is so heavy, the donkey has fallen under the burden. You must love your enemy and you must help your enemy to lift that donkey back to its feet. Or in Romans 12 verse 20, giving your enemy something to eat and to drink if he is hungry or thirsty. So to translate that into modern, modern terms uh, and modern illustration, so you see your enemy, he's got a flat wheel, a flat standing next to on the, standing on the side of the road you help that enemy or he hasn't got any fuel in his car he's stuck next to the road you you buy him fuel you buy him petrol or diesel or he's hungry or he's thirsty give him something to eat give him so, give him something to drink um, <clears throat> i know a man while he was busy street preaching standing actually at a station there was a lamp post and a, a man another man grabbed grabbed a spade and took a swing at, at the preacher and he hit the lamppost right above his head, right above the preacher's head. And the preacher really got a fright, but he kept on preaching. And then the man went to sit on the, on the pavement, just sat there and on the sidewalk. And when the preacher was done, he walked into the shop, bought a Coke and took it to the man and sat next to him. And the man felt really embarrassed. But that's the kind of thing, loving your enemy, loving this person. This, the selfless love, to take it further, would also mean you bless your enemy when he curses you. Verse 28, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. Uh, that's what Jesus did when people attacked him and people treated him badly when he was crucified. 1 Peter 2 verse 23 it says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Bless those, or bless those even who curse you. Romans 12, verse 14. Okay, now blessing your enemy does not mean that you accept his sin and that you say it's fine, I don't mind him sinning. No, what, what, what it means in the context here is that you don't curse back. You don't retaliate. It also means you pray for your enemy when he treats you badly, when he insults you, when he threatens you, when he accuses you falsely. Verse 28, pray for those who abuse you. That's what Henry Jackson did. Henry Jackson is a, was a, a farmer in Zimbabwe. Um, some of you might have read the news articles at the time, but the government came, just an informal meeting. They just rocked up at his farm and said, we're taking away your farm now. 
you must leave. It's land grabbing, stealing his, his property. And he had the meeting with him. And then, not long afterward, Henry Jackson heard that one of, one of those men, actually like the ringleader of those men, had fallen ill. And he went to the man, he went to see the man, where he was, very sick, and he said, can I pray for you? And he prayed for his enemy, that God would heal him and bless him. So what, what should you do for your enemy? If it says, bless your enemy, or pray that God will bless him, how do you do that? How do you pray for your enemy if you want, to, if you want him to be blessed? I think, pray the Lord's Prayer for him, our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, I pray for this enemy that he will honor your name. Your kingdom come. Bring him into your kingdom, Lord. Make him one of your own. Your will be done. Help him to do your will and to stop rebelling against you. Give us this day our daily bread. Provide for him, Lord. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Please, will you forgive his sin? Will you turn him to Christ? And grant him forgiveness. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, save him from the devil's trap. Save him from his own sin. And then you pray that God will save him indeed. That God will save him. That God will forgive him. That's what Jesus did, right? Jesus prayed while he was on the cross. He prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And the prayer was answered almost immediately. Because the thief, one of the robbers on the cross next to Christ, was converted. And then obviously you and I. We are converted because Jesus prayed, not only because he died. He prayed, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And he prayed in John 17, verse 20, Father, I pray for those who will still believe. So he prayed for his enemies. That's what Stephen did. Stephen prayed for his enemies. While he was being stoned, he said, Lord Jesus, do not hold the sin against them. And one of the men who approved of Stephen's death was Paul. Still Saul at that stage, but the Apostle Paul, he became the Apostle Paul. Christ saved Paul in answer to Stephen's prayer. And will the Lord not hear our prayers when you pray for your enemy? Lord, save my enemy. I did this this week. A man called me on Monday and shouted at me over the phone. It was very aggressive. And... At first I was angry and I had to ask forgiveness for my anger. And the next day I said, Lord, forgive me for being angry at this guy. And through, throughout this week I had to pray for him a number of times while preparing this message. Lord, help me to remember what you teach here. Save that man. Save him from his foolishness and his evil and his blindness. And then Jesus continues in verse 29 saying, Turn the other cheek. Now really the, the Greek word here, it's not talking about being slapped in the face. It's talking about the jawbone. So this is taking uh, someone hits you with a fist. He punches you in the jaw. So Jesus says, turn the other side. What does he mean? Well, Jesus can't mean you're not allowed to defend yourself and your family if your life is in danger. Because in Luke 22 verse 36, Jesus says that they should buy themselves swords. So there is such a thing as self-defense and that's not sinful. Uh, what Jesus is talking about here is personal vengeance. You're taking vengeance. You are avenging yourself because someone is doing something against you. Um, like we read in Matthew 5, 38 to 39, 
You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So this is about getting people back, bearing grudges. And Jesus says that is not what a Christian looks like. That's not how a Christian lives. 1 Peter 2 verse 23 again. When he suffered, he did not threaten. He didn't revile. He did not threaten. He didn't try to get people back. So rather let your enemy punch you again than you punching back or you calling your friends to go and beat the guy up. Like Jesus gave his beard and he gave his cheeks to those who pulled out his beard. Um, and he gave his back to those who struck him. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 30, you give your cheeks. Or Jesus saying in, in Matthew 26 verse 51 and 52, where he stops Peter when Peter struck the guy and cut off his ear. And what Jesus did is he gave himself to the enemy rather than getting them back. He could have gotten them back very easily. I read to you, behold, one of those who stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cut off his ear, and Jesus said, enough, enough. Don't get people back. We're not in the business of doing that as Christians. Now, Jesus, again, he doesn't mean that we praise injustice. No, we do not praise injustice. So if a man beats his wife or he uh, mistreats his children and abuses them, then they should go to the police. That's part of loving their neighbor. So he's no longer a danger to himself and to the people around him. So that's fine to oppose those in that sense. Like, for instance, when Jesus was slapped through the face in John 18, he did say, why do you strike me? So you go to the police. And then what the police does is the police, they carry out God's vengeance upon the evildoer, upon the transgressor, as we read in Romans 12. You don't avenge yourself, but Romans 13, the government avenge, they are the avengers of God's wrath. They carry out God's anger and God's punishment and God's justice. Now, I think the application for us here is uh, it's quite simple. Don't let your child take karate lessons because of a bully and you tell your child you punch him right in the nose if he does that again. I don't think that's the way to do it. I think my mother was a good example here. There was a bully in school when I was in primary school, and this bully would steal my lunch. Every break time, he would take my lunch and just grab it from me and gulp it all um, down, push it down his throat, eat my food. And I told my mom, this bully, every break time he takes my food. I'm 11 years old, the bully is 13. And so my mom starts making him lunch every day. I go to school with two lunch tins, one for me and one for him. <laughs> and the bullying stopped. And then I, I tried to follow my mother's example. <clears throat> when I had kids, uh, when my kids were born and they're growing up, so one of my kids had gymnastics practice, and they're two girls and they're really nasty to my daughter. And they say, you're gross. And she's five years old, I think. And she, so as I pick her up after practice, she says, those those girls said I'm gross. She's crying. Well, she's very sad. And I, I had sweets in the car. I said, well, let's take them a sweet. And so she goes, and I tell her what the Bible says about loving your enemies. And she goes, and she gives each of them a sweet. And they stopped 
teasing her after that. Now, if that doesn't work, you do what God says, then still you don't go for boxing or karate lessons and punch the kid in the nose. You go and speak to the headmaster of the school or you go and make an appointment with the kid's parents. And if it's serious enough, then you go to the police. Uh, if it's really a serious case of bullying. Okay, another question, what if your enemy sues you, takes you to court? For no reason whatsoever, he sues you, very unjust, what do you do? Because when Jesus says in verse 29, um, from when he takes your coat or cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. The tunic is the bottom cloak you wear close to your skin. So what do you do in that case? Well, here it's really about um, suing someone and taking them to court. And we know that from Matthew chapter 5, the parallel verse in Matthew 5 verse 40. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Well, first of all, you want to try and settle this outside of court. You don't want to go to court and have an ugly fight about something like this. And then give even more than he asks you. He asks you for, the, for your cloak, give him your tunic also. So if he's suing you, you'd rather suffer wrong than do wrong and start an ugly fight. And it just costs you thousands of rands and, uh, as you, when you end in court. And, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, why not suffer wrong? Why, why not rather be defrauded uh, rather than stealing from others and doing evil stuff and having an ugly, ugly fight? So actually what Jesus is saying here very simply, don't be a fighter. Don't be a fighter. And then there's the case of people begging from you. Now, of course, you shouldn't give them money if you know that they're addicts. So this guy's a drug addict or an alcoholic. Don't give them money because Jesus tells you you should love your enemy. You are not loving your enemy. If you know he's a drug addict and you give him money, then you hate him because you're just pushing him, pushing him further into the ways of darkness and sending him to hell. So I would suggest that you rather not give the person money at all. Uh, give them food. Don't give money unless you really know this person and you know they, they desperately have a need, they need money. Then give them money. But if you're uncertain about the situation, then give them food. And then don't even give them food if you know this is a lazy person, they will not work. Because Paul says if you're not willing to work, you should not eat. Jesus continues in verse 30 and says, Give to everyone who begs from you. From the one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Now, Jesus is not saying it's fine for people to steal from you. They demand your stuff or they want to steal your stuff. Just give it to them. Don't go to the police. Jesus is not saying that. Rather, this is probably someone persecuting you for your faith and he's demanding your goods. And maybe it's even the government demanding your goods. And in that case... Don't be like those people, you know, they just want to pick up the gun and shoot and start fighting to get their stuff back. No, rather suffer wrong. Rather lose your stuff with uh, knowing this, that you have a better inheritance in heaven, a better reward in heaven, Hebrews 10 verse 34, where the, the writer to the Hebrews says, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew you, you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. It's again like Henry Jackson, the farm I told you about just now. When they took his farm, he didn't fight. He didn't put up a fight. He asked the Lord's help to love his enemies, although they treated him very unjustly, very unkindly, very badly, and they persecuted him. 
he loved his enemies and he gave up the film. And he would say, never, never over my dead body will I do that. I'll kill Julius Malema. You know, if you've got that attitude, uh, I don't think that's the attitude of Christ. I'm not, I'm not saying that what Julius Malema does is right or what the government's doing is right. If they want to grab land and take private property, I don't think it's right at all. But to have that kind of attitude, tit for tat, then we'll kill you, then we'll shoot. Um, I don't think that's the attitude of the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 31 summarizes what our attitudes should be. It says, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now Jesus is not saying here what other people said before him. Because before Christ, there was a certain Rabbi Hillel, born in 110 BC and died in 10 AD. And he said to, uh, actually what happened was uh, a Gentile came to him and said, I will, I will convert to the Jewish religion if you can explain the whole law to me while I'm standing on one leg. And then Rabbi Hillel said to him, uh, whatever is hateful to you, do not do to another. That is the whole law. The rest is an interpretation thereof. Now, Rabbi Hillel's teaching is negative. Whatever is hateful to you, don't do to others. Jesus gives us positive instruction. So, for instance, Rabbi Hillel would say, you don't want other people stealing from you, so don't steal from them. But it's possible for you to not steal from someone and you've still done nothing good for them. Jesus teaches us the opposite. Jesus is not only saying, oh, don't do bad things to other people. Jesus is saying, you should do good things to them. So, apart from not stealing from your neighbor, from your enemy, apart from not stealing from someone, you should also take your own stuff and share it with them. So, don't ask yourself, oh, I don't want you to do this. What don't I want you to do to me? I won't do it to you either. No, rather ask yourself the question, what do I want other people to do for me? Do I want them to help me when I'm in need? Do I want to, them to lend me something when I need this thing? Do I want them to share with me, to forgive me, to um, not retaliate when I've sinned against them, to write off the bad debt I have, to pray for me? What do I want them to do for me? And then Jesus says, you go and do the same, verse 31. Second question. Why should you love in this way? And the answer is verse 32 to 36. So, so John and his wife, they're not talking to one another. They don't even greet one another in the morning when they get up and walk past each other in the passage, in the hallway. Or Patsy and Joanne, they do the same thing at work. So Joanne doesn't greet Patsy, and then Patsy says, well, fine. If she doesn't greet me, I won't greet her. I'll treat her like she treats me. That's not the way Christians live. That's not the way Christians live. You don't just greet those who greet you. You don't just love those who love you, or do good to those who do good to you, or lend money because you know, well, they'll lend money to me later on. And if you do it this way, what, what are you, in what way are you different from, from unbelievers then? Then you're not different from the world, because that's what they do. They just greet those who greet them, love those who love them, lend to those who lend to them. Verse 32 to 34. 
If you love those who love you, what benefits that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefits that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credits that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Or in Matthew 5 it says, even sinners greet sinners. Those who greet them, they'll greet them back. So if you, if you just love those who love you, then what you're showing is that life, your life in your, in your sight, in your eyes, in your mind, in your thinking, life is about you. Everything's about you. So if you're kind to me, I'll be kind to you. But don't, don't you come and stand on, on the wrong side of me. Don't, don't get me wrong. Don't rub me up the wrong way, because then you're going to feel my anger. And what does that help? Jesus says, what does that benefit? How will that help you? What credit is that to you? Should God accept your half-baked love on Judgment Day and reward you for it? Of course not. Matthew 5, verse 46, what reward will you have? What credit is it if you, if you lend out your money on interest just to get back more for yourself? That's not real credit. Real credit is lending out your money to someone who needs it, who really needs it, even if you know he might not be able to repay me. Verse 34. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive it, what credit is that to you? What credit? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. True credit is to lend to the poor, to lend your money to the needy. And that's what verse 34 implies. This comes actually from, from the books of Moses, Leviticus third book of the Bible, Leviticus 25, verse 35 to 37. We read, If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner, and he shall live with you. Take no interest from him or profit, but fear your God that your brother may live beside you. You shall not lend him your money at interest, nor give him your food for profit. He's poor. Deuteronomy 15 and verse 8. Deuteronomy 15 verse 8. <laughs> you shall open your hand to your poor brother and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. And later on then, if he's really trying to his best to repay you, to pay you back what he owes, and he has to get all the cents he can and the copper coins, and he's really trying to repay you, but he can't, don't choke him. Don't choke the money out of him to say, you better repay me. Rather be merciful and write off the debt. Verse 34 you lend to those from whom you expect to receive. What credit is that? Rather just write off the debt. Maybe it's quite a lot of money because verse 35 tells us, lend expecting nothing in return. So write off the debt and maybe it's an amount of money and the guy can't repay you now. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 19 verse 17, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. So in summary, what Jesus is saying here, love your enemies, 
do good and lend without expecting anything in return. Verse 35. So what's the need? What is the need? How can you do good? Have you an opportunity at this time in your life to do good to others? The Bible says, do it. And if the person is treating you badly, overcome evil with good. And by doing so, you're showing you're a Christian. Verse 35 says you will be sons of the Most High. Jesus doesn't mean you will become a Christian. He doesn't say loving your enemies and doing good to them makes you a Christian. What he's saying is you are already Christians, and if you live this way, you are showing that you are a Christian. Remember verse 20. Jesus lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, he's talking to people who are already Christians. They're disciples. He even said in verse, says in verse 36, your father. So they're already Christians. God is their father. What does a Christian look like? What does a Christian live like? All right, so he's not saying do this and you become a Christian. Now the question then, then is, how then, how then do you become a Christian? What should you do? Well, my answer is there's nothing you can do to become a Christian, but rather you should trust in something that God has done. And what is that? God became a man. He bore the punishment for our sins when he died on the cross. And what you and I need to do, if you're not saved, what you need to do is you need to see your sin in the open wounds of Christ. You need to see your sin in the blood and the spit dripping from Jesus on the cross. See your sin when you look at the marks of the nails in his hands and his feet. See your sin when you see the crown of thorns pressing into his skull. See your sin when Jesus cries out, when the Father forsakes the Son, and Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See your sin. And perhaps see it for the first time. Or maybe you are, you've backslidden, you've turned away from the Lord, you have been saved, and maybe you've turned away very quickly, you haven't been a Christian for long, and you've already turned away from Christ. You've already turned back to your sin. Well, see then, see your sin, and see how it grieves God, how it makes Him sad. Don't turn away from the cross and walk away, and you are unmoved. But rather see the love of Christ for you. A love so great, a love greater than his own life. So will you not dedicate yourself and commit yourself to Jesus Christ today? Or may I say for some of you, will you not recommit, rededicate yourself to Jesus today? Will you not ask him, to welcome you into his house once again, once more. And then you come and share in the feast of this God, a God whose heart is open for sinners. And sing praise to the one who even treats the evil and the ungrateful with kindness. Verse 35 at the end. The Most High is kind to the ungrateful and evil. He lets his sun shine on them. He lets his rain fall on them. He lets his sun and rain come on those who reject him, on those who complain when he gives them sunshine and rain. Matthew 5, verse 45.
tells us how he gives sunshine and rain to the good and the evil, to the righteous and the unrighteous. And he even gives these good gifts to those who complain when he gives it. So he gives them rain, and then they complain. Why doesn't it rain more? And when it rains more, they say, now it's raining too much. They ungrateful, but God is kind to the ungrateful. So give your thanks to this God. Bring your thanks to this God who loved us, who died for us, not because he saw some potential in us, some hidden potential, but simply because he loved us. And the Father loved us and Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, while we were godless, while we were his enemies. Verse 35, he's kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Romans 5 and verse 6 while we were still weak at the, Christ, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. God is kind to his enemies. Are you a child of God? Well, then show it. Let us show it. And let us love those difficult people in our lives and do good to them. Verse 35. Love your enemies, do good. And have mercy on them. Have mercy on them. Have compassion over them. Mercy means the person doesn't deserve this, this goodness. Verse 36. Be merciful. Be merciful. That's what God did, right? That's not what God did to us. God didn't give us hell. That's what we deserve. We deserve hell. God didn't give it to us. He was merciful. Every single day, God is merciful. Verse 36, be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. He's the God of all mercy. God doesn't punish us. God finds no pleasure in punishing even the wicked. Even when he has to punish, he does it with a heavy heart and he weeps. He weeps. Jesus said in Luke 19 verse 41, we see Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Those who rejected him. Isaiah 15 verse 5, 16 verse 9, 16 verse 11. God is busy punishing his enemies and he says, I weep over you. I drench you with my tears. Lamentations 3, verse 32 and 33, where the Lord says that it's not willingly, not willingly that he afflicts the children of men. Oh, it's with sadness when God has to punish. His heart recoils within him. His heart churns and turns within him, says Hosea 11, verse 8 and 9, when he has to punish sinners. And you know, I look at all of that and I think, how little I am like my Father. How little I imitate God. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Paul Tripp tells a story like that. He tells a story of a guy who really gave him trouble, a church member. And he said he, he, he resented that, that man. 
that man, just every single thing Paul Tripp does, that guy criticizes him. And he became resentful and he thought, I'm going to talk to that guy. And he tells his wife, I'm going to talk to that guy. And his wife says, the way you, you're saying that, it sounds like you really hate the guy. It's like you treat, you're going to treat him like an enemy. Maybe you should check your own heart before you talk to him. And he, and he realized, it's true, I do hate the guy. And then he prayed and he searched his own heart and said, Lord, help me. And then the Lord showed him, the problem here is you've got an idol. And your idol is you want to be the perfect pastor. You've got this dream about a great church and you're this great and wonderful and successful pastor. And this guy's getting in the way of that and that's why you're bitter toward him. And he had to confess his sin. And eventually he did set up an appointment with a guy. He went to see the guy. And the guy was, when he met the guy, he saw this guy's ready for a fight. And then he didn't fight. Paul Tripp, and he just said to the guy, I've actually come to ask your forgiveness. And Paul confessed his sin and said, I've been selfish, and I've had this dream, and, and you've come in the way of my dream, and that's why I was angry with you. Please forgive me. And immediately the whole atmosphere calmed down, and the guy said, you know, actually I need your forgiveness too. And he confessed his own sin. So may the Lord help us to, to love like He loves. Not because there's something lovely and wonderful in Julius Malema or any other enemy. But, but because God's, God so changes our character that we become like Christ and it's not possible for us to do anything else but love our enemies. Let's pray. Lord, please... The seed that is planted, and for some the seed that is watered, make it grow. And it's really quite easy, this message, in theory. But Lord, tomorrow we're back at work, we're back in that difficult marriage, we're back in that difficult situation with a rebellious child, or an in-law, or a brother, or a colleague, or a bully at school, or a Julius Malema, and then it's hard. So help us by your mercy and change us into the image of your Son, Jesus. Amen.